When in 1985, Morrissey sang, I want the one that I can't have, and it's driving me mad. He could easily have been talking about a particularly rare Subutio team reference that he didn't own, but wanted to, or perhaps a side that was so obscure, Subutio had never ever bothered to paint a team in their colours. Many players and collectors will have felt this way at one time or another during their lives, but thankfully, for both players and collectors, help is at hand in the form of the self-painted team. In this episode of Finger Flicking Good, we'll examine the rise of the painter men and how their skills have seen them pushed to the front of the table soccer world during lockdown. We'll talk to some well-known painters in the flourishing online community and find out what drove them to start painting in the first place. But it's not just the commercial painters we'll speak to. We'll also hear from those for whom painting is not just a hobby, but something much more. All that and more coming up in this episode of Finger Flicking Good. So keep listening. I know why I started painting my own teams. It was during lockdown and I was standing in the queue outside Asda with my son waiting to be allowed in to do the weekly shop. He asked me if I'd be watching any of the Champions League matches once they'd restarted. I explained that for me, the European Champions Cup no longer held the same allure and that I'd lost interest in it sometime around 1986 when Aberdeen had been eliminated by IFK Gothenburg at the quarter-final stage. But I was still intrigued and when I got home, I went online and purchased a second-hand book on the competition's history. It was entitled Europe United a History of the European Cup by Andrew Godzel. When it arrived a few days later, even I was amazed to find out the names of teams that had competed during its heyday of the 1950s and 60s. Teams like Stade de Reims, Vorwärts Berlin, Dukla Prague, Slovan Bratislava and Hajduk Split. The names were just so romantic and they piqued my interest. Since we'd recently started playing a league to get us through the long days of lockdown, we decided to start a side project to create a series of teams from the heyday of the European Cup and play some old-school Subutio matches. The first step we took was to order some teams and bases. These were replica old heavyweights, which I duly did from Mark Parker and Santiago Table Soccer. The next step was to research the kits these teams wore, which, thanks to the continually brilliant website Beyond the Last Man, was easily done. And the final one was to break out the paints and brushes that had lain dormant for many years. Over the next few weeks, I painted sides Kent style, more on that later in the episode, ranging from San Etienne and Feyenoord to standard Liège and Rapid Vienna. They weren't perfect by any means, but they did the job, and so we were ready to kick off our competitions. The first tournament we held was a small four-team affair, which was won by Borussia Dortmund, who beat San Etienne. The second was a much longer solo cup competition, with home and away legs, which was won by Internazionale of Milan, who defeated Dukla Prague in the final. Of course, starting to paint your own teams sends you down an online rabbit hole, from which you are likely to emerge hours later, blinking in the artificial light of night time after encountering the staggeringly good work of some brilliant Subutio artists, some of whom you will hear from in this episode. 
Paul Pearson, who paints and supplies teams as kits for flicks, is another who, like me, was frustrated that Sabutio didn't create the teams that he knew he, and others like him, actually wanted to play with. Exactly, and that, that's sort of alludes to what I said earlier about about when I got into it was, you know, there was so many so many teams. I mean, I, I grew up in the lightweight era, um, so that's that's what I I liked. You know, that's where my passion was, and there were so many teams that Sabutio didn't make, and so you know, I was kind of my thought was to fill in the gaps with the kits that I really like because as another passion of mine was football shirts and painting football shirts kind of or football kits feeds that in a way. Gallon Westwood runs Westwood Table Soccer, a successful figure painting service. He also runs a popular YouTube channel that documents his painting and restoration of table soccer figures. I asked him how he had started self-painting. Um, I started painting pretty much from the first moment I got into Sputio. Um, I'm recording a series actually for my channel at the moment, which is looking back at all the teams in my collection. Um, and it's going to be the last episode of the current selection, actually, where I talk about um, goalkeepers. I, I started painting on goalkeepers. I would never paint outfielders because... Like I say, a lot of my collection was lightweight, so the kits were pretty much perfect. Um, but yes, yeah, so I started on goalkeepers, and it's it's terrible. My painting was absolutely awful. They're wearing all sorts of different colours. Um, I didn't ever wait for anything to dry. I just used to throw paint on and get another colour out and throw more paint on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I've still got some of those goalkeepers, and I, that's why they're really important to me still. And I'm glad I've still got them because they're the start of what I am today. Had I never painted those goalkeepers really badly I would never have got to the stage where I'm at now where I'm producing artwork for you know I've got artwork all over the place I've got artwork at football clubs you know I'm, I'm got an official license with Queen's Park Rangers to produce artwork on behalf of them like anything is possible if you look at where you first start painting something and you might look at it and think oh, that's a little bit rough that's a little bit ropey and my advice to people is always don't compare yourself to me or to any other painters out there it's about you doing what you do and if you're happy with it then excellent and then just keep trying to improve on what you're doing by pushing the boundaries trying new things you know having to look at my videos having to get other people's videos and just trying things out but yeah I started painting Sputio about 10 years old so I've been doing it for a long time. Lawrence Watson who runs Watsy's Sputio Art describes how it wasn't playing the game that gave him the idea to start painting his own figures. His moment of Damascene conversion came whilst watching football on the television. Here he is describing how it all started for him. So when, um, after my second revisit the Subutio, I still kept a, a few teams and stuff and they were out, out in the shed and I'd just been sitting in the shed. I don't even know where I was in the shed one evening and I just see, came across my teams and the, I'm almost sure it was the Euros that were on. I think it may have been Euro 16, maybe what it was. Um, and I think Jamie Vardy had been playing for England and he had the broken arm. And I, I remember watching highlights or something one night. I'm not sure if he even played, but I remember just sitting thinking, looking at the Speedo player, and I had a, it wasn't even a, a proper sculpting knife. It would have been a Stanley knife sitting. And I just lifted it and decided right I'll cut his arm off and see what I can do with his arm 
put his arm up in the air and then I was standing and I thought, I'll cut him off at the foot and cut his knee and bend the knee and so he was, looks like he was run the way celebrating and he's actually in an England strip so I painted him in the England, the latest England strip, took a photo of it, put it to Twitter and it, it just it just snowballed from there, you know, it was just like people were going, oh this is incredible and it, to me there wasn't really anybody out there doing it at the time so I think the second one that I ventured had done Eric Cantona's Kung Fu kick I done a wee guy sitting on a seat and a glued Cantona to his throat or his chest and done the, the pose and sexy him again just put it on Twitter and it just it just took off from there and that was that was where the painting first started and I mean I would look back and look at my painting from, from that was four years ago but look back and think it's not great but you have to start somewhere and at the time it was getting great reactions and I was getting people requesting orders and so then I sort of moved away from the sculpted figures I still do them um, but then I started painting full teams um, and it's just it's just taken off since then and it's like I'm actually turning turning orders away you know that way at this time of year it's just become become crazy but no it's great and it's just I get I, there's more satisfaction out of the painting than there is financial reward because I mean whatever you pay for the team the profit in actually painting the team is roughly about 20 to 25 pound after you, you buy all your accessories and paint and bases and whatever else and team boxes and so there's not a big reward in it um, but it's just a satisfaction that way you know seeing people's reaction to your full team and the detail that you can put into them and yeah it's just it's now just become part like a second job basically and coming home from work in the evening and spending a few hours with the kids and then back out the shed and painting teams for a few hours just becomes part of part of life then Kevin Halliday is an expat Scot who now lives on Australia's Sunshine Coast for him it was a search for a suitable hobby to fill his precious spare time that lit the fuse for his team painting um simple word was I, I didn't really think I would. Um, as I said, my Subutio thing is very new and I only really made the decision last year to that this was going to be my little hobby. And I just decided that playing Subutio was going to be my thing. But when lockdown happened, and we had a small lockdown here, not a massive one, but um, when that happened, we spent a bit of time at home. So I just... I bought some cheap paint from uh, Office Works, not very good paint, some brushes, and bought some players online. Had to wait about a month for them to come, but um, they got here, and then I just had a crack, and the end result was they weren't terrible. So then it was like, okay, well, let's have a crack with some you know, better paints and better brushes and stuff like that, and then see where it goes. But what exactly is it that people love about painting their own teams? Here's Kevin Halliday again. Um, for me personally, it's it goes back to when I was a kid. So this is my nostalgia um, influence in this, is that I just used to love football kits when I was a kid. used to love drawing kits, uh, drawing new kits. Um it's just what I used to do as a kid. I used to draw football boots and tracksuits and uh, yeah, full kits, uh, balls, cups, all that kind of stuff. So 
when I found out I could do the painting, I mean, sometimes I'll just sit looking at kits to paint and never put a bit of paint paint down because I'm just looking at kits and I'll get distracted and go on to other kits and other kits and other kits. So for me personally, it's just a love of, of football kits. And the more unusual, the more colourful, the better. Paul Pearson, like Kevin Halliday, is someone else whose interest in football shirts goes a long way to explaining what drives his love of painting his own teams. So how it started, I was uh, spending a little bit too much money on collecting teams. Um, I collect lightweights and my girlfriend said to me, have you ever thought about painting your own teams? Um, Because I'm a Newcastle supporter and I'd collected all the Newcastle teams that Subutio had produced. And then it was a case of, well, there's so many that they didn't. Um, And so I got myself uh, a ref uh, 01, a load of spares that I had up up in a box. Um, And I I tried to paint my uh, or her son's uh, football team, her under 10s team. Um, And it came out okay. It came out all right. And then she said, well, why don't you try painting the Newcastle kits that, you all, that you've always liked? So then I went on to that. Um, and I, I seemed to be all right at it. I wasn't brilliant, but I was okay. And uh, I showed one to a friend of mine who, who I met on one of the Subutio forums. And he then said to me, that's really good. Can you paint me a Carlisle? <laughs> so... That's how it started. I, I did that. He posted it onto Facebook. And um, all of a sudden, people from all over started contacting me, saying, can you paint me a team? How much do you charge? And, I mean, I'd never even thought about it being a business. Um, and essentially, it, it is and it isn't, because I do it for the enjoyment, you know, the hobby aspect of it. But obviously, you know, I have to pay for these things. So, um, you know, the materials and the paints and the players... And then, you know, so it, it sort of grew from that. Sometimes, though, it's a need to scratch another itch that makes someone pick up a paintbrush and paint. Here's David Hoggard, who's on Twitter as at GoTableSoccer, explaining his need to create something big, very big. Um, uh, well, I think what I did, I... I've got this, and I still haven't really started it yet, but I want to do my own solo league, but not just have it as a single division. So what I did first was I bought 16 teams from Santiago Table Soccer. And uh, that's really where the interest in painting started because um, I saw that they did, uh, like the, the painting kits, figures and bases. But then I also started finding places like mysabutio.com and obviously LPM online. Um, And so I decided to take the plunge and I got some 2K4 figures and some bases and decided to start painting. Um, I did a bit of research on online and found different things on how to do how people were doing it. And then it turned out that I think I was doing it wrongly when, when I was doing it, how the, the results turned out. Um, 
I, I would use varnish, and I think I'd use too much varnish. And, and so, again, that was around about 2015 um, as well when I first started painting. Uh, you know, and I started sharing a few things on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, gradually seeing what other people were doing. Um, and amazed by some of the work of other people, which made me think, you need to improve a bit before you do anymore. <laughs> so I took a bit of a break and went more into collecting at that time. And it wasn't probably until about 2017 I'd do a few test paints here and there. And then I got back into it fully again, 2019, where it's been a fairly constant thing where I'm sort of painting every nearly every day now. I went on to ask David if he could elaborate on his projected solo league and tell me how many teams were to be in the Finnish competition. I was staggered by the sheer size of his ambition. <laughs> 188. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all split into divisions. Well, I haven't quite finished yet. That's why it's taken so long. I've got about another six to do. I've got four sat in front of me now that need finishing, and then I've got another four to do from scratch. And that takes me to my 188. Some of them are based on real teams and some are uh, creations. Now, not all 188 have been painted by myself. I must clarify that. I've got collections by, I have about nearly 70 Santiago table soccer teams. I have about 30 Paul Lloyd ones, and I've got some by Focus on uh, 70s kits. Um, and then I think the rest, I've got about 52 which are actually painted by myself. And uh, so, as you can see, I've gone a little deep into this <laughs> from... <laughs> The recent global coronavirus pandemic seems to have led to an explosion in all things Subutio. This podcast is just one such example of this. But can a virus really be the cause of such an increase in the self-painting of teams? Or is there something more at work here? I asked Mark Parker of Santiago Table Soccer what he thought about the growth of self-painting and why he thinks people might have started doing it. It's brilliant. I absolutely, I think it's brilliant. If it, I mean, obviously, it's good for me because we we selling the stuff that people are painting on. But to see what other people are painting, for me, if somebody buys blanks off me, I always ask them to send me pictures of what you're painting. Send me because I want to see. I want to see what you're painting, and it's fascinating the different massive range of teams and abilities that people have got for painting. Some people like to paint teams like Sabutio did, you know, the, the what they call the Kent-style painting, just rough. Then you've got people like Callum, Callum Westwood, who absolutely, well, that guy's a genius, to be fair. But yeah, it's what it's what people want, isn't it? If you can't, if you want a certain team and you can't buy it from anybody, you can just buy a kit and paint it yourself. And I think it's I think it's it's brilliant. Ah, there we have it. 
Kent style painting. This of course refers to the paint job carried out by the home worker painters of the 1960s and 70s, who toiled away in their Kentish homes to paint kits for Sabutio's growing army of players. The quality of the paint jobs varied depending on the skill and the time available to the various painters. Now, I know that I own teams from that era that have quite a poor finish, compared to even my own attempts at painting. I'm not going to criticise the job they did, however, as they were up against tough deadlines to complete work and they were paid piece rate. Nowadays, of course, with a more discerning customer base, their work would simply not pass muster. But Callum Westwood thinks that it's the individuality of different painters that gives each team its own individual charm. I would say I think it's great for me to see people doing it for themselves and getting similar, if not better, results than what they could. Plus, you've painted it. Like When you paint something, it's it's yours. There's only one like it. Like, I mean, I've got that car, the car I'm painting for the channel at the moment. I still haven't finished it and I'm looking at it and I've changed the kit a little bit as well, but there isn't another one that's like that. It's completely unique. There's not going to be, unless someone copies it, but even then it's not going to look the same. It's still, that one's still going to be unique. And then everything you've painted, some of the kits, you will be the only person that has that kit. And if you're not, you're the only one that has the version of that kit that looks like that because you painted it. So I think it, 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 it's such a cool thing when you've created something that you're then going to use or, you know what I mean? I think it's a, it's a really cool thing. I love the fact that people are getting out there and giving it a try. I think it's awesome. For the really talented painter, there is clearly a gap in the market for producing quality hand-painted teams to order that Sabutio either don't or never have painted. Being a commercial team painter, though, is not just about sitting down and painting little plastic men in your spare time. There's a lot more goes into it than that. Here's Lawrence Watson again. There's, there's different levels of detail. You know, people say to me, oh, I want leads. Say, like a guy ordered a team the other night. I want leads home and away from the, like the 2002 or something it was. And I says, yeah, no problem. He, he says, do you need the photos? I says, no, I, I research everything. You know, well, I'll spend maybe two, three hours on Google, and I'll make sure I get all the boots they wore in 2002, you know, just to be, I'll go through every photo, say, Mark Faduka, mm-hmm. I'll just type in Mark Faduka 2002, and see what is, is roughly his boot color is, or brand is, and that's how much detail I'll go into it, or did they wear long sleeves, did they wear sock tape, did they wear their shirt on top, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I think, I, that's, the, that's the part I enjoy out of it, you know, Putting them a player with a socks rolled down or a player with the under armor on, you know, and that's a different thing. That's that's the enjoyment you get out of it, you know, that way. But being a good team painter can put you in a position where the demand for your products can become overwhelming. Here, Mark Parker explains how his business has increased substantially since the lockdown began in March of this year. Dan has absolutely exploded the business. All right. Like you say, people are sitting at home, nothing to do. We've so through lockdown, we've so no end of unpainted stuff, unpainted stuff, and we just we ended up swamped. And I had to, I just had to shut website down to catch up. 
you know, we 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 painted stuff, and then we caught up just just as we'd booked this holiday in the end of November, just to get away for a week. We went up into Wolves out away for a for a week in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> just just to have a you know a proper break. And we've come back, and I've thought, right, I need to get these projects done. These boxes have been sat in this in this basket for like over two years, so. I'm just, just going to shut everything down, get these, get these projects done, and then everything will be back up on website again. So just need to sort of clear this backlogger. Because you see, with that we get we get that busy. See, like last so last season's Champions League, right? The teams are on the website for last season's Champions League. This season's Champions League, you know, just in an ordinary season, usually I never have the time to paint this season's Champions League kits because obviously there's different teams and stuff in every every year. But you never get time to change them over. So I think the Champions League page and the Europa League pages are from about two or three seasons ago. Because orders are coming in all the time, we're painting all the time, and you never get that break to re to revamp your, your website, if you know what I mean. It sort of comes in a, a, a you might get a lump of time where you can do it, but them lumps of time are few and far between. So I'm trying to use this time to finish these projects that I've I didn't pipeline for two years, 18 months, two years, and redo the website. So when it comes back up, I think the Type 1 pages will probably be the same, but the European pages will be updated with new teams or the latest teams that's in Champions League and Europa League, Copa Libertadores. So hopefully that will create a bit more interest and I've had loads of loads of people asking me when you bring them or when you putting teams back up not because they want to buy them but just because they like looking at them. Making a name for yourself in the world of team painting can be a double-edged sword. What got many of the painters into painting in the first place, the desire to paint their own teams, becomes something they can only dream about being able to do again. Here's Lawrence Watson. I don't have time to even paint the team for myself. I think the last time I painted a team yeah. for myself might have been might have been three three years ago before the last time I painted a team. You know, it's just that that's how busy it, it gets. And I, 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 I keep saying I'm mm -hmm. gonna after Christmas I'm gonna stop. I'm just gonna do it for fun and not sell them no more and just paint my own teams and just enjoy it. But I know for a fact come Christmas I won't. <laughs> But not everyone who's good at painting takes a plunge to do it commercially. Here, Kevin Halliday explains why team painting will always be a hobby for him. Um, probably not me personally, just because of uh, my situation where I am. Um, uh, two young kids, full-time job and stuff like that. But I can definitely see that there would be, I think there would be a market for that, you know, if the, the Sabutio guys were to come on board and offer it out, I'm sure there would be a lot of guys out there that would jump on it. Not me personally, because I just, I just think it would be too much for me personally. But um, 
if it was offered out, there would be others out there that would take that on, yeah. So what if you've been intrigued enough by what you've heard to take the plunge and have a go at team painting yourself? How should you start? Here's Paul Pearson with some sound advice. Just give it a go, really. Um, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of sites out there where you can buy buy your, the bits that you need. Um, you can get things off of eBay, Subutio uh, World. They they do uh, blank players. Um, just get yourself some blank players. Get yourself some paints and just give it a go. And you know, don't be put off by your first attempt. I've had people contact me before and and send me pictures of things that they've done and gone, you know, oh, I'm really happy with it, but I can't get this bit right or I can't get that bit right. And and so, you know, you just give them a little bit of advice and, and it really is, it, it's just keep at it. If you've really got a passion for doing it, just keep at it because eventually you'll get it right and you'll you'll be producing things that you really like. I'd encourage anyone to do it because I get so much out of it myself. But what if you want to do the really good detail, like team badges? Paul Pearson believes that even this can be done. All you need is a little imagination. Yeah, it is. Cause it's like if you look at a Subutio team, a, a machine print Subutio team from like the 80s and 90s, you know, the kit accuracy isn't fabulous, but it's your imagination that creates it isn't it you know you look at it and you, you know what it's meant to represent and your imagination fills in the gaps and that's what it's like with the painting i find certainly with the badges you do a representation of a badge and your imagination actually you go yeah that that actually looks like it and it it joins the dots david hoggard has even tried using decals to get the detail others get with a brush it's not for him but as he says it is another option. And their detailing is effectively on par with some of the decaling, really. I mean, I have tried one decal yeah. set I've done, and that was a Juventus I did back in, again, 2015. And I don't, like I say, I found it very difficult. Um, it may be something that I'll go back to, um, mainly because I have a load of 2K4 figures just sat there. Um, mm. But um, it, it, it's something that I would, I wouldn't dissuade anybody who wants to try to do it. Um, and I think if, if you, if you want that realistic look, but you can't paint it, it's very, it's actually worth the option to do it. Um, I mean, there's lots of people in Italy who, who do this stuff, and it's absolutely fantastic. I've often wondered who the commercial painters actually produce their work for. Are they doing it for players, collectors, or both? I asked Paul Pearson if he had a preference. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question. Um, I don't really have a preference in that aspect. I mean, I've one of my or certainly one of my best customers um he he gets me to to paint teams for his leagues for his solo leagues that he plays um so you know essentially 
he's he wants them to play with other people want them as keepsakes i had a, a chat recently i painted the liverpool team from last season um with the the you know the world club champions badge on it and everything and uh he's put it in a display case he's got some some copies of the the champions league winning medals and the Premier League medals, and he's got them in a display case in his house with a, a signed shirt above it as well. So I don't really have a preference. I just I just want people to to enjoy what I do. Mark Parker of Santiago Table Soccer didn't find it such a difficult question to answer. At the end of the day, it's it. I don't. It's just sound too. Um... I get an enjoyment out of seeing a finished out of seeing a finished team and knowing that that team's going to go somewhere and actually be used. Whereas, if where a collector will buy a team in a box, put it in a box, put it in the pile, and it probably never get used. It's just there as a collect because everything that's collected is just collected, isn't it? Whereas the teams that I, I produce go somewhere and get used, get played with. People get enjoyment out of using the team. And and so I think that more than anything else for me is the satisfaction of knowing that somebody's going to enjoy the product that you're making. There's a famous saying, it goes... It may not be art, but I know what I like. I asked our painters if they felt if what they did was an art form. First up, it's Kevin Halliday. Oh, definitely. Absolutely, definitely. Um, you know, you've got guys like Callum. Um, his stuff is just impeccable. Because everybody has their own little... Um, niches and they have their own little ways of doing stuff like what's he you know you can tell his figures from Callum's and um, different figures and um, just different ways of painting different paints they use um, all different setups and you know you got other guys like Sabutio Legends and things where you know they're making their own figures and doing um, movements and stuff like that so it's it's very much its own little art art form um, but definitely, yeah, I would definitely say yes. It's 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 it is an art form because it's it it's it's just a it's a great thing to get into if you if you can do it. It's it's really rewarding. Um, but that you have to have that time and that patience and obviously the skill to go with it to to make it happen and to have a good result at the end. But definitely, yes, um, it is an art form. Lawrence Watson is another who thinks that what he produces is art. Yeah, we consider it to be art. Um, obviously, my Subutio page is called Watsy Subutio Art, so it, to me, it is art. Yeah, it's. I mean, when I when I take a team, like sometimes if I'm going to work and I I would take a team to post, you know, and I'd be in a job and somebody would say, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" But I, I would say, "Well, I paint Subutio teams," and I go, "I remember Subutio." Have you the photos of it? And I would also, oh, if a team in the car, I'll, I'll go and get it for you and bring it in and show you. And you would take it in. The, the reaction from people 
when you show them a photo, they don't really understand it. They go, oh, that's class. And there's only so much detail you can get in the fo- from the photo. So when you take it in and show it to somebody and the reaction, it's just, it's incredible. How, how can you create something so small and such a small figure? Um, how do you do it? Like, how do you have the patience? So to me, I think, it, yeah, it would be, it would be an art form, definitely. Um, and obviously there is like, to me, there's, there's people there that are probably better painters than me. I would say that. So anyway, but everybody, like I, I try to encourage everyone to paint. You know, there's nothing more rewarding than painting your own team. So there's not. Callum Westwood loves the art he makes, but he's also thrilled if the little players he paints have a life beyond merely living in their box. Um. I would definitely for the artwork side of things. So the frames I make, I would a hundred percent say is, is an artwork. My teams, I paint them in this exactly the same way, but the part of it for me is I love teams that get used. Like there are people out there that collect teams just for collecting sake. And that's fine. But I want, I want nothing more than if I paint a team for someone. And it's not often I do because teams aren't my biggest seller. It's it's quite a flooded market, the teams market. And, because of the amount of time I put into these things, I do, you know, potentially always want more money than say somebody does it as a full-time job does. So but I would still love it if one of my teams gets a bit beaten up or maybe gets a broken player like that for me shows that it was loved and it was played with. It's still a work of art. Like I look at my figures, my seventies heavyweights and they're still a work of art because somebody had to sit there in their, in their house, in their cottage with, x amount of figures on their table getting paid per figure and every single bit of paint that's on that figure was put on by a person in a house like that that's the magic of of a heavyweight sabuto figure for me it's all artwork because it's all someone sitting there putting the paintbrush in the paint and applying it to the player and creating that kit and creating that that footballer that's going to hopefully if all goes well for that little man, he's going to go on and play many matches for many different teams. That's, that's, that's part of the art. That's part of the magic of it for me. So yeah, I would say that what I do is artwork, but it's not just me that's creating artwork. It's, you know, I'll say the original guys in the seventies, all the guys that hand paint now, they're creating an artwork in some form, but I just use my artwork sometimes to be wall mounted artwork. So it's actually, sole purpose is to be looked at and admired like a painting i guess here's paul pearson getting quite philosophical dare i say metaphysical about the work that he produces um yes i would actually um i think and anything that you're being creative with is art to me um I know uh, I speak with Callum quite often, Callum Westwood from Westwood Table Soccer. Um, and he goes he goes on about that. Like, he's really into the heavyweights and he, he goes on about the soul of the player. You know, all these, these little guys have got a soul. They're not just a little inanimate piece of plastic. And I absolutely agree with him. You know, you, you take it and you create it and you, you turn it into something and into something that that essentially people are going to love and they're going to. You know, some people have them for keepsakes. Some people have them for for playing with. But it, it, it to me, it, yeah, it is a piece of art because it's it's something that you're creating. I'll leave the last word to David Hoggard. For him, painting teams 
is much more than just a hobby. For him, it's something much more important. Um, I find it actually very therapeutic. Um, those who know me know I can be quite difficult and I can be quite short-tempered and I don't suffer fools gladly. <laughs> However, this has given me a sense of perspective on it, uh, that even if I mess up on some of my painting teams, you know, when you're, you're doing a figure and all of a sudden it goes horribly wrong, you get a blob of paint on it somewhere. Um, now, you know, in the past I might have given up, but now I just shrug my shoulders and, you know, brush it off and say, oh, well, we'll, we'll do it again or we'll repaint it if something goes wrong. Um, yeah. And so, in a sense, I find it quite calming, even though that time when you do mess it up, you, you're probably not in a great place. Um, but uh, I, I do actually genuinely find pleasure in it. Um you know, I can't just sit there watching television or anything like that anymore. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of this episode on team painting. And indeed, the end of the first series of Finger Flicking Good. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this series of the podcast as much as I have enjoyed making it. I'll now be taking a short break to recharge my batteries. But don't worry, I'll be returning in the new year with another series where I'll hope to tackle other aspects of the Sabutio world as well as introduce you to some more of the interesting people I've met in the online community. If you'd like to contribute to a future show, then contact me through the Twitter feed or alternatively by email at fingerflickinggood at gmail.com. Details on how to get in touch are in the episode notes. I'd like to give a big thank you to all the people who have contributed to this first series of Finger Flicking Good. Without them, this would just have been me rabbiting on about my love of playing football with little plastic men. To make sure you don't miss out on series two of the show, then subscribe right now to Finger Flicking Good on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finger Flicking Good is an airtime production. It's written and presented by me, Derek Eyre, with contributions from Kevin Halliday, David Hoggard, Mark Parker, Paul Pearson, Florence Watson and Callum Westwood. The theme music is Drive. It's written and produced specially for the programme by Campbell Eyre of The Creature Appeal. Check them out on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, or wherever you download and stream your tunes. 